Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon, even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Richard Hawks about his new book, Navigate This World, Seven Crucial Conversations for Business Transformation. Richard Hawks, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from the New Jersey area. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about your new book, Navigate the Swirl, Seven Crucial Conversations for Business Transformation. I think this is a super uh, fun and interesting topic and, and, and group of topics to explore together. So that's going to be the crux of our conversation today. As we get started, I wanted to share Richard's bio with everybody. Richard Hawks, the author of Navigate the Swirl, is the founder of Growth River, an international consultancy that guides leaders and teams to create higher performance in businesses and organizations. He helps companies identify and resolve constraints to success. His clients include Edward Jones, Hitachi, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, Mars, and others. He sees purpose-driven, customer-focused, team-based, and multi-stakeholder businesses as the best bet for solving the world's biggest problems. He received his BA in computer science and German literature from Hamilton College. Fantastic. And that's an interesting combination, computer science and German literature. I'm not sure how many of those there are floating around uh, <laughs> with that combo. It was actually pretty timely at the time because um, having a computer science degree when I graduated uh, got me quickly, got me a job really quickly. <laughs> so yeah, out. sure, sure. I, 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 I can totally see that. And then combining it with German literature. Um, now, I say that as someone... Uh, for any longtime listeners of the podcast, you know, I, I, I lived for several years in South Korea. I minored in Korean language. So among my, you know, various degrees I've earned over the years, um, I, you know, I, I have a love and passion for Korean language and Korean culture and minored it. And I didn't major in it, but I did minor in it uh, as an undergrad. And yeah, every now and then you just throw in these kind of unique little um, things that help round out the individual. And that's certainly how I see my experience. And it's, uh, I, I imagine you could speak to the same. Well, so, so I went on a, so between high school and college, I took a gap year and ended up in Germany for a year. And I didn't speak a word of German when I got there, but I had to learn the language, you know, to meet girls pretty much <laughs> and, uh, and get through school. And, um, and so, uh, 
that experience, I have to say, and, and you'll see in the book, the book actually conveys a language for navigating growth um, in organizations, um, at least at least the seeds for a language to develop. And that experience had a huge impact on, on me uh, and my understanding of sort of the relationship between language and conversation and being in it together and what alignment actually looks like. Um, it's a very rich way to, to, to see change. I, I, I assume you probably resonate. Yeah, that, that's resonating with me very, very well. Um, and, and I suspect anyone else who has spent a significant time abroad, who's been immersed in different cultures and different languages, uh, you can kind of wrap your head around that. And that, that was totally my experience. Transformative um, experience in my young adulthood and early career um, that has really shaped the way I view the world and the way I have shaped my practice, uh, my academic work, my, my educational um, career, my leadership practice, everything, you know, it, it's, it, I can, I can go back and point to a lot of, of the lessons I learned during that time for sure. Yeah. So similar experience. Yeah. Well, that's, that's wonderful. Well, and you already kind of started down this path, but tell us a little bit more about why this book, why you wrote this book, why now, and what you're really trying to accomplish um, through getting this out there uh, to share with others. So I actually, not consciously, but I think I started the book about 30 years ago. Um, And it's when I decided to go into consulting because I was just fascinated with the whole process of growing and scaling companies and all the different you know, elements that go into that. And I started taking notes and I started writing down what was working and, and not working. Um, flash forward um, 20 years from that point, maybe maybe 15 years from that point, um, I I, at that point, I'd, I'd worked with some companies and I'd been on their journeys for quite an extended period of time. So I was on, I, I worked with one company. We went from four scientists in a lab to being the largest, one of the largest DNA sequencing companies in our space in the world. We had labs all over China, all over Europe. Um, we went through the entire process of, of scaling a company all the way up to a fully matrixed organization in a multicultural context. And that, you know, and I was on their board for 18 years and working with the senior leadership team for about 22. So I took that entire journey all the way through. And so what happened is, is, is along the way, um, and, and there were many other experiences like that and they're captured in the book, but along the way, I really was able to map out the process. Um, I tried to write the book uh, in 2009, I was living in Germany, actually, again, I was over there. I actually founded a part of our business when I was in Germany and, um, and tried to write it. And uh, the challenge was, is all the theory was there and everything was proven, but I actually didn't ha- I had, didn't, hadn't really nailed it to the point I wanted to nail it. So it's right. It's ready. It's, it, it lays out a pretty consistent worldview on how you can really think about you know, how do organizations change? Um, how do they do it in the direction of competitive advantage? How do you link culture to business? Um, how does structure fit in there? What are the most dangerous conversations for a leader to lead? Where do you get in trouble? Um, it, it covers all of those different topics. Um, but the answer was uh, something I wanted to do for a really, really long time. And it finally was ready. And, and this is it. 
Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Wonderful origin story for a book that had been percolating. It sounds like for decades and you got to the point where you're able to, to get pen to paper and get it out. Uh, probably figuratively, not literally. I I'm guessing you didn't actually use pen and paper, um, but who knows, maybe you're old school. Uh, anyways, that's, uh, that's fantastic. And I, as a writer myself, I, I love writing. Um, I love getting ideas down, refining them, trying to figure out how to best communicate them. And so it, it is quite the process. It is painstaking. It is challenging, uh, but it's, it's very rewarding. And it's re- even more rewarding when you start to see people uh, who resonate with your materials and that it's helping them in some way. And, and I think that's what transformation is all about. Personal transformation, team, organizational transformation. It's all about growth and development and maximizing our potential. I think all of that's fantastic. So why don't we walk through now um, that the subtitle to your book is seven crucial conversations for business transformation. Let's walk through those seven conversations uh, in short order. And we'll just kind of do a quick summary of of what those look like. And we can chat about that. Okay. Um, Yeah. Let me first say why, why, why the seven conversations and then I'll talk about them, but the title of the book is navigate the swirl and the swirl is that inertia, organizational inertia that you feel, and the kind of sense of purposelessness you can feel in your jobs when you're not connected with other folks. So when you're not in actual aligned conversations and on a journey together. And so the seven crucial conversations are a way out of this world. And the way to imagine the seven crucial conversations is, I don't know, think of it as a rope, right? The swirl is this maelstrom, you're spinning around and there's a rope, you know, a way to climb out. Well, the first thing to know is you can't get out alone. Um, the, 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 by its very nature, the swirl has to do with the social system around you. So you can push back all you want, but the system will push back and crush you. So, so you can only solve it by being in the solution with other people. So you have to, you really have to choose to understand that it's a social system, not a machine. And that sets a context for even being able to apply conversations because transformation, organizational growth, and even the path to competitive advantage in, an, in, a, in a business all happen at the speed of conversations. And, and, yeah. and this, this is really critical. Okay, so. Yeah, well, let me just say too, I, I appreciate that in explaining the, the swirl metaphor. And I, I, as you were describing that, I'm like, oh, I've been guilty of that. I, and, I, and I've been uh, pounded down and squashed down and, and beat into submission by the system <laughs> because I wasn't as, as uh, skillful as I could have been or should have been, you know, in terms of how I was navigating that and involving others in the process. So that, that absolutely is, is essential. You know, I just, um, I was reading something where someone was saying, you know, the, the one way to navigate this is you have to choose, you may be put on a team, you may be, you know, officially on a team or multiple teams in an organization, but you actually have to choose your own team. You have to actually build your own team. In other words, there needs to be a group of people who are in it with you so that you're not trying to do it alone. And when you try to do it alone, the system crushes you. And I think that's what you're, what you're pointing to. And so the question is, is how do you actually connect with others? So, so the seven crucial conversations are a way to do that. Now, think of them as a rope out of the swirl. The, the, the bottom of the rope, if I tie a knot in the bottom of the rope, that's, a, that's the activate purpose conversation. 
And it's sort of obvious why, if it doesn't link to a purpose and if it doesn't connect to your own purpose, why bother? I mean, just a recipe for dissatisfaction. So, so there has to, that has to be that initial anchoring point. Now, the other side of the rope, the other end is about implementation, because if you, if it doesn't link to actual implementation to impacting the world, also kind of why bother? So the question is, is how do you link that purpose conversation all the way through to the implementation conversation in a social system with other people? There are other stuff in between. And the, the five conversations between purpose and implementation are those, those uh, handholds, if you want to call them. And I'll just kind of go through them. There's, there's activating purpose, and then there's driving focus, then there's shifting mindset. Those three conversations are the culture conversation. Then there's specifying roles and streamlining interdependencies. That's the whole conversation around org structure, roles, right? It's in between. And then you move into strategies, aligning strategies and implementing initiatives. And that's kind of the, the strategy conversation. Now, the thing to know about this is these systems, whether the system is a team or the system is an organization, they all evolve in a specific direction, like, like you know, water flows in a certain direction. Check out my new book, The Future Leader, Creating and Transforming Next-Gen Organizations. Stemming from two decades of professional experience and over 600 in-depth interviews with executives, thought leaders, and scholars from across the globe, The Future Leader will help you explore the ordinary, everyday actions that will help you to prepare to lead in the future of work, to respond to an uncertain future, and to produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Academy. Courses, micro-credentials, and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. All HCI Academy courses, micro-credentials, and certificates are designed, developed, and delivered by award-winning and internationally renowned scholars, educators, thought leaders, executives, and practitioners. Our courses, micro-credentials, and certificates will help you make your mark on the future of work and make an immediate impact in your organizations. Check out the HCI Academy and our many course offerings and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us. There's really leadership and culture flows into roles and, and capabilities, which flows into strategies and customers ex customer experience. And the challenge is, is that those things, um, if I make a change to culture, it flows through everything else below it. But if I make a change to strategy and customer experience, it doesn't necessarily flow up. So I swim in the, against that current at my own peril. So the conversations take you through the optimal path of what it actually means to not only align with, you know, individually between members in a team, 
but also between teams in an organization. Among yeah. those conversations, among those conversations, it's just the one thing to say, there's one right in the middle and it's really, really dangerous. And it's the one that derails almost all transformational initiatives. And it's the system of roles conversation. It's conversation four, because that's the place where your interests or my interests start to clash into those of the organization. That's where all the wars break out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, boundary maintenance and uh, and people trying to protect their turf or or kingdom build rather than looking for ways to to actually collaborate in meaningful ways for the benefit of the organization as a whole. Uh, and everything you're describing, you know, I'm thinking of it from an, another kind of place of coalition building, right? As, as you mentioned, we can't do it alone. Um, organizations are these massive systems and the, the most well-intentioned individual with the even skill and even with all the data on their side, if they're trying to do it alone to try to drive a transformation, uh, they will get beat down by the system or they'll get, you know, chewed up, spit out, kicked out of the system. Uh, And so you have to coalition build. You have to go through that painstaking process of building those relationships, um, building them upon a foundation of trust and then moving your way through. And that's why, organizational transformation is a time-consuming process. It's why you can't just flip the switch. Uh, It's why so many organizations fail at organizational change um, initiatives is because they try to short-circuit that painstaking process. They try to take shortcuts. Uh, And they they think that, well, you know, we we just want to see change immediately. So we're just going to decree it. And then people are going to do it because that's what's expected. And we, you know, you're smiling and nodding your head. Like we, we've all experienced that and it never works. Um, in some cases where you have a lot of fear in the culture, it might work in the short term because people are so afraid of <laughs> losing their jobs, but it never will truly work. And as soon as that fear-based leader leaves, then everything just ends up reverting back to the way it was before. I, yeah, I mean, you, you, you said a lot of really, really uh, uh, important things. So, so let me just grab on onto one part of it. Um, one of the things that gets in people's way, this, the, the, the book has a bunch of these. One of the things that often get in, in leaders' ways is they think in terms of time as when, when they have a meeting. It's sort of like we have to complete this deliverable, then this deliverable, then this deliverable. It's this driven by project management. And it's very, those are really important tools. And no way am I saying they're not important tools, but, I'm, but they lead to this blind spot. And the blind spot is there are, there are certain conversations, particular, these conversations where you time box a problem and say, I'm going to give this amount of time to it, work really well if the, if the information is clear and the solution path is clear. But if the information is unclear or the solution path is unclear, you can't really think that way. You, you, you can actually create plans that just take you right off a cliff because you're, you're not acknowledging what you don't know. You're not dealing with the fact that you're moving through event horizons, that, you're, that there, are, there are gonna be changes in the system that you can't see beyond, like a new leader coming in. A new leader comes in, everything changes. Once again, culture, right? That changes the whole stack of conversations and you're, you're back at the beginning again. So a new leader is going to come in. I can't anticipate ahead of the curve how it's going to be 
when the leader gets there. All I can do is focus on creating the conditions to bring that leader on board properly. And as a and, and in my role, I can actually calm everybody down. And on the other side of event horizon, the entire challenge of leading change shifts. You're now in a situation where it isn't a isn't about uh, taking a decision or making a change. Those have all been taken. It's about aligning with it. It's about everybody holding up what it is and understanding the implications of it, and then incorporating that into their role or to the unique perspective that they have within the system. So there's these. The, so change is these massive, these unfolding things. Now back to time. If I think of time, there's an expression called chronos, which is thinking of, uh, of time as you know my, a checklist, right? I get these things done. The opposite of chronos is kairos. And kairos would be thinking in terms of event time, right? The event is that new leader coming in. The event is the new product coming to market. The event is the event horizon. And when you when 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 you reconceptualize and you think about it as through this Kairos perspective, then what happens is, is you can actually manage it because you start to think about this condition has to precede these other conditions. Worrying about the stuff that's further down the road is not really a good use of my good use of my time. I can start to to, to frame a journey. I can be on a journey with other people, and so. One way to imagine that journey is, you know, think of a stairway, right? So I'm at the bottom of the stairway, the top of the stairway is my destination. And this ideal future state, this, this idea of where I want to go. I want to, uh, you know, have an organization where it's a high trust environment. Everybody's able to play full out from the perspective of their role for the good of the whole, right? I want to, I want to have, you know, be the provider of choice, the partner of choice, the, you know, I want to have market potential, scalability, sustainability, return. I want to have all of these you know, metrics. Okay, that's my future state. That's at the top of the stairway. When I'm at the bottom of the stairway, what I can think about is I can think about what are the gaps in the current state versus that future state. That's what I can know. And by looking at those gaps and identifying which ones really are the primary constraint, I can then see the next step on the stairway. I probably can't see, maybe I can see two steps on the stairway, and then the ones above that are all blurred out. And then I can see the top of the stairway. So then I take a step. I make that change to the system. I make that change to the team, to the culture, to the business, to the whatever, with, with my colleagues. And then what happens is, is that I'm now back at, I now have new information. I now understand the destination in a new way. And I move, right? So it's iterative. It's an unfolding journey. It's versioned. And that's, that's the challenge. It's being in that space with other people. That's, and that's the focus conversation. But that space has to happen in the context of purpose. And you have to have the right mindset because who, who's going to deal with all that uncertainty if we don't trust each other, if we can't have conversations, if I can't give you feedback, if we can't recover from setback, all of these kinds of things. And so that's that those connection points that I'm talking about, that idea of being on a shared journey and the mindset that's required and happening in purpose are all sort of the, they're, they're, they're just the fundamental touchstones to be on a shared journey and to grow and scale a company together um, and manage you know, really rapid change.
Yeah, I love it. This is super interesting. Richard, I'm I'm shocked by just looking at the time and I know that we're, a, <laughs> we're oh, wow. about okay. out of time. We've only scratched the surface. I, I would hope to have you back so we can continue this conversation and right. dive in even deeper into these areas. But I, everything you said has resonated with me. I think there's a lot of food for thought for uh, that I will certainly carry out uh, and, and consider and reflect upon. I, I would encourage listeners to do the same. Before we wrap up for today, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you, where they can find your book, uh, anything else like that. And then give us the final word on the topic for today. Uh, the book is widely available at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, you know, Target, Walmart. It's been picked up and through a lot of, so you can pick it up pretty much anywhere right now. Um, uh, you can get in touch with me if you, through our website, Growth River. Uh, the company, you know, is about these ideas and we have, I have an entire team uh, that supports that. And, you know, uh, if, if the one word is, is, is it, it, for me, these ideas are really important because we've gone through COVID, we're all working remotely, you and I are sitting here on Zoom, we're in so many different places, and we've got to make some of these processes, ways of operating visible, because because you know, then we can manage the complexities, these significant complexities together and, and make them human-sized. And that's sort of why I, I'm turned on by this work, because I think it can really have a significant positive impact on you know, all of us. Yeah. So thank yeah. you for the opportunity. Agreed, Richard. This has just been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, to get connected, find out more about what Richard can do for you, check out the book. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Bluer than Indigo Leadership, the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue what some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for your individuals, teams, and organizations. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. 
Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon, even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.